Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for checking out Tellich Talks. And I'm getting a lot of feedback. Folks are enjoying the interviews. They love the inspiring people that I've had the opportunity to interview. And in order to make this thing grow, I'd appreciate any kind of um, method on your way to uh, subscribe to your podcast and or stop and write a short review on some of the platforms it helps with the algorithms or is it algorithms i think it's that i think it's the letter all right folks our guest this week is paul colavincenzo who was an outstanding athlete at john carroll university in suburban cleveland ohio both football and track but it wasn't until he left the navy in 1997 that he would find the sport of triathlon In his early 40s, he would embrace the sport and then would take on very difficult challenges like the famous Escape from Alcatraz triathlon. That's right, folks. The Alcatraz, the prison out there in the middle of the San Francisco Bay with a frigid waters all around it. It's a 1.5-mile swim, 18-mile bike over very steep terrain, and then finished off by an 8-mile run, some of it on the beach and also involves steps, just not an easy triathlon by any stretch of the imagination. But starting in the year of 2009, he would begin the descent, if you will, down a rabbit hole, a medical rabbit hole that would involve heart surgery to repair an aortic valve. And so while he was recovering from that and competing in running events and triathlon events as well, about seven years later, he had more sickness. He had an infection and it got incredibly life-threatening, septic endocarditis. Thus, he would enter a four-year saga because that, the bacteria, if it were, had invaded his knee, his right knee. And at that point, being infected with the same kind of bacteria that dealt with his heart, he was in a very, very tough way to the point where the only course of action left to doctors and medical professionals was in January of 2020, he had surgery. It was an above the knee amputation. Through it all, Paul with great encouragement and love from his wife, Teresa, and of course the great help from a foundation called the Challenged Athletes Foundation, Paul would compete again. And so what follows is Paul's account of this harrowing ordeal and his quest to return to the sport that he loves. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Colavincenzo on Tellich Talks. Paul, it's great to get you on the podcast and uh, detail some of your history with the great sport of triathlon. And uh, you're a John Carroll guy, no? Yes, class of 82. 82, okay. And uh, how did you get into triathlons from the time you uh, got out of John Carroll? What what paths did your life take as far as that was concerned? Well, I'm actually kind of a late bloomer to that sport. I... um... I played uh, football, ran track at John Carroll, did that in high school too. And then um, I started running after football was over and track was over. And uh, I ran an awful lot 
and I rode my bike an awful lot, especially when I started medical school. I rode my bike to medical school every day, every day, even in the winter. And uh, and then uh, it really wasn't until I was in my probably 40s where I had, you know, I think triathlon was just kind of starting up then. And uh, I thought, well, I don't know, maybe I'll give this a try. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my very first mar- or triathlon was uh, was at Miami University in Oxford. Okay. I remember that very clearly because uh, I panicked on the swim. And it we was did. in the Oh yeah. And it was in the pool, you know, they have a, they have a 50 meter pool there. They have Olympic sized pool and it's kind of the, the serpentine. You start in one lane and go back and down and back. And it was just a sprint triathlon, you know, and uh, like, I think a lot of people do, I went out way too fast and I got short of breath. And I said, Oh wow, I need to stop and take my breath. And then the water is over my head. I got a mouthful of water. And then I think I got kicked and, you know, cause yeah. they were they were starting at people like every every 10 seconds or something like that you know and so i just said oh this is not good i don't like this (laughs) (laughs) that was that was my first one and uh, i'm not a real fast swimmer so i kind of learned from that my first open water one i think was uh, in caesar creek um caesar creek state park up there uh east of dayton and that went a lot better and um you know, most of this, the tries that I've that I've done have been sprint tries. Gotcha. And um, and then uh, this is in 2008, I think I I got into the lottery and got picked to do the Escape from Alcatraz. Wow. Out in San Francisco. And at the same time, um, I was noticing that I was starting to get uncomfortable when I would run especially I was starting to get chest pain when I would run and you know like a lot of people I denied it I said oh the air is too hot the air is too cold the air is too sure. dry the air is too great cold. shape all that stuff yeah <laughs> well I finally went and saw my cardiologist and I knew that I had a uh, that I had a congenital abnormal aortic valve yeah. yes ironically I found out after I got out of the navy I get a navy physical every year and fine get the clean bill of health and then uh, when i got out of the navy i said well uh here i am in dayton i probably need to get a plumber i need to get a handyman i need to get a family doc <laughs> so i actually went to see a guy that i actually went to medical school with and he said hey you know you have a murmur no anyway long story short it's a bicuspid valve so it should be a tricuspid it should have three leaflets should look like a mercedes sign i see okay look at it on end but mine kind of looked like a like a like a fish mouth, and over time it got stiff and 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 um, calcified and narrowed. So what was happening is when I would exert myself, I wasn't getting enough blood across the valve, and I'd start to get chest pain. So um, I had the valve replaced. That was March of '09, and you know this triathlon was in May or June. They change it every year based on the the tides you know okay they have these they have these hundred year tide things and so they look at them they say okay this is the best time to do it anyway i think it was in late may or june that's right around they have and i said well i i can't do it this year can i take a rain check can i put off till next year no sorry 
But anyway, I said, well, I'm going to do this now. So I had my surgery in March and I did do it the next year. I did it and that was in June, early June, I think of 2010. So it was a little over a year after I'd had the first heart surgery. And uh, that was, that's the best triathlon I've ever done. I, you know, I haven't done a ton. I've not, I've never done a full try or even, a, I mean, a full uh, Ironman or even a half Ironman, but okay. that's kind of the classic distance. You know, it's the mile and a half swim in the, in the San Francisco Bay. Yeah. Temperature of the water is 55 degrees on average. And then, um, and then it's eight, 18 mile bike and an eight mile run. And they have the the world famous uh, sand ladder. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's like on the beach, four hundred steps straight up. Well, not straight up. It feels like it's straight up. <laughs> it sure must, especially and, uh, out of the water. So uh, I did that, and the first one I did in twenty ten, I took my dad with me because I was born in San Francisco. My dad was active duty Navy then, and. And uh, he came with me, and it was a good experience. And uh, I've actually done it uh, two additional times. Um, trying to remember the years, I think 20, 2012, and then maybe 20, 2015. Okay. And uh, uh, and then then I then I had some health issues i don't even know if you've heard much about that so well, you, you did uh so you you did you say you did uh the escape from alcatraz in in 09 or, no, 09. i did it in 10 oh okay so 09 was the year that you know you had the valve replaced as it were right and right. so then you're you're well enough to compete obviously you competed well and then it wasn't for another six or seven years before things didn't start to surface as far as bacteria getting into right. your knee and take us from that point. What happened? Okay. So I had, I, I had had some, uh, uh, I had an operation on, on my knees, I had my knees partially replaced okay. in 14 and I did fine with those. And, um, I have a lot of arthritis. I can blame my mother for that, I suppose, <laughs> or maybe playing a football for so many years, but anyway, um, yeah, in April 2016. So this would have been just about seven years after I had the initial valve replacement. I remember it was a Friday, April 15th. I was coming home and I think I had just ridden my bike or something. I felt like I was getting the flu. Gotcha. I don't feel very well. This was Friday. And uh, the next day I, I felt worse. And I remember I was on call on Sunday. And I remember calling someone and asking if they would take the call for me. The, the hospital call and they agreed to do that and then by monday morning i was sick <laughs> i had a real high fever like 104 something like that I was 49 years old at the time and um, i couldn't get out of bed all my joints hurt i thought man what is going on i don't know what's going on but i better go to the hospital sure. i went to the hospital i did this workup and i had uh, bacteria in my bloodstream and um, initially, they did an echocardiogram to look at the valve. And at that time, the first day or maybe the second day, it's kind of blurry to me because I was so sick. But they said, no, the valve looks fine. It looks fine. The leaflets are fine. And so I was in the hospital for, for about a week. 
And while I was there, I was miserable, just felt awful. And uh, I had uh, a couple of complications. I, I infarcted my spleen. When you get this endocarditis, which, which is what it was, you can throw off these little infected little, you know, goobers. Gotcha. That, that flick off the valve and can go anywhere. And one of them got my spleen. Oh. And uh, that was that, that was such intense pain. I thought I had perforated my stomach or something. You know, I thought I had had an ulcer and I perforated something. But they didn't have to take my spleen out. But anyway, after about a week, the surgeon, the same surgeon who did my initial valve surgery, came into my room. It was about 9 o'clock at night. And he said... He goes, this is coming from your valve. I know it is. He goes, I don't need another echo to show that, and you need to have it out. He goes, or you're going to die. He says, you're dying now. That's a quote. So it's 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night, and I said, well, so we're going to the OR now? He goes, no, no, it's going to be a long, long operation. I'm going I'm to clear my schedule first thing tomorrow morning. And so on April 27th, uh, 2016, I had another open heart surgery. It lasted 12 hours. I was on the heart lung machine, the bypass for six hours. And uh, they sent word out to my family three different times, I'm told, that it's not looking good. He doesn't look good. We're not for all that. Wow. Wow. And my my chest was my chest was full of pus, and as my surgeon said, my valve looked like a chewed piece of bubble gum. <laughs> oh, oh. And um, so he took that all out, and he was in there the whole time. This amazes me every time I think about it. He never left the room. Wow. At toward the end of the operation, they said he took a few sips of Sierra Mist through a straw, <laughs> but he took it all out and um, replaced it with a, it's called a homograft. So it's actually from a cadaver, from a human donor. Gotcha. It includes the valve and the uh, ascending aorta, which is the first part of the aorta as it comes out, and then the arch as it turns, and then just some of the descending aorta. So that whole, it's all one piece. He sewed that in, he reconnected my coronary arteries to that. And that homograft, uh, I found out, came from a 21-year-old female from Oklahoma who was a gunshot wound victim. And that's all I know about her. I, I, I wrote a heartfelt, uh, heartfelt letter, excuse me, shortly after thanking the family and all that. I never heard back. But that's what's in there now. Wow. And um, obviously, I survived. And um, I remember they, the surgeon, well, I don't remember this, but the surgeon went out and talked to my family and said, you know, I did the best I could. I don't, I don't think he's going to do the same Paul when he wakes up. He probably had a stroke or he was on the bypass machine for so long. Wow. And I'll probably be putting a pacemaker in him tomorrow because I really dissected out a lot of his heart and he probably won't beat properly. Well, I woke up at three in the morning and I wanted my breathing tube out because it was hurting my, the roof of my mouth. And, uh, 
I tried to do that. I tried to communicate with my nurse. Of course, I could, and I was kind of, you know, half, half in and half out. But uh, they extubated me, took the breathing tube out at seven o'clock the next morning. And I remember being so thirsty, I asked for Gatorade, and they gave me like three bottles of Gatorade, and I drank it all. And everyone was amazed. They just couldn't believe that I was. And I remember my surgeon, his name was Peter Pavlina. He came through with his entourage that morning. Okay. You know, physician assistant, his uh, nurse, several, and they were all women. And I said, I heard that uh, you put a, uh, a homograft in from a, from a female. And he said, yeah, that's right. I said, oh, does this mean that I'm going to get irritable every month now? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so all the women thought that was funny. They laughed right away. The surgeon, he kind of just looked at me and goes, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so, this is this is insane that you go from the, the heart issues to, you know, a, like a second surgery. Uh, and then this just progresses to the point where, as we alluded earlier, and, and we want to get to that point is where, you know, you, you're the issues with your knee and then what year did they decide that we're going to have to uh, uh, take part of your leg? And then well, how, how do you get from that real difficult spot to the point where you're competing in triathlons again? It's amazing. Okay. Well, well, that's another story. It's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, because they thought all oh, this maybe came from his knee because he has hardware in his knee. What? And you're never going to know. You're never going to know. Yeah. Never really going to know. But about two or three days after, you know, I was still in the hospital for this heart surgery. I threw one. I had, I threw another one of these septic, septic emboli to my knee. Okay. The, the artery behind my knee, the popliteal artery. And I had four operations to try to reestablish blood flow to my foot, to my lower part below my knee. And, um, you know, I finally left the hospital. I was in the hospital about a month, I think. And it took a long time for it to heal. And I did okay for a while. Okay. But then my knee started to hurt. Like, it, it's hard to describe. It's kind of, if you have arthritis, you think, oh, you know, it's the weather or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I finally, I went to the Cleveland Clinic for this. They diagnosed an infection in my, my knee joint. Gotcha which is very hard to treat. And what they did up there is called a two-stage um, arthroplasty, where they take the knee joint out, they put in a hockey puck looking kind of thing called a spacer that has antibiotics in it. I got a central line and for six, for eight weeks, I had that in and then was getting antibiotics IV through that thing. Uh, and then they replaced the knee again eight weeks later. So that was in what July, September 2017. Okay. And less than a month later, it got infected again. Okay. I don't know how wow, I, this, I, I don't know how that happened, but that was in October 2017. And I had the same thing again, a two stage arthroplasty. October, December, and then the operation in December, they did a lot of plastic surgery on my knee because I had lost so much skin and tissue. So they did a flap, this and that. And I had all these, uh, they're called wound vac, they're like sponges to help 
heal. And that took a long time, but it started to get better. Finally healed. And uh, about a year, maybe not quite a year, started hurting again. Yeah. I started using a cane because every step really hurt and no one could figure out exactly what was going on. I went up to the Mayo Clinic up in Rochester, Minnesota, yeah. very square away place. And the, they did all this workup and they said, yeah, there's another infection in there. Only this time it's a fungal infection. It's a fungus of some kind. And they said, we only do this once or twice a year. And you're our recommendation this year that you have it amputated. Wow. How'd you come to grips with that? How did that well, as I tell people, I mean, it's not like it hadn't been in the back of my mind because okay. it's not like I was healthy, you know, healthy guy driving a motorcycle, getting a wreck and I wake up and my legs gone. I see. My knee had, was hurting so badly that I could, I could hardly walk. I mean, you can ask my wife. I mean, you know, I was in pain every step. Wow. And so I thought, well, maybe I should, you know, I mean, nobody wants to lose their leg. Don't get me wrong. But once it was amputated, you know, the, the infection was gone. And um, once I got through the phantom limb pain, which was very significant for several months, that was terrible. And um, then, you know, I, that was January 17th, 2020 that I had, had it um, amputated. And I got my prosthesis in March. And let me tell you, that is not intuitive at all. Really? You know, no, I went to the physical therapy. They had like a, you know, prosthesis I could try on. I said, okay, here's these, you know, these parallel bars. Why don't you try walking it? And I remember thinking, you gotta be kidding me. I, I, I can't do this. You know, maybe yeah. a little kid who still, you know, could do it, but uh, it was very difficult wow. to do that and, and getting it fit properly and this and that. But I finally got it. And, um, did okay and i thought well you know i don't know maybe i'll ride my bike a little bit if i can i'll just take this off right at one legged you know and i went to an anesthesia meeting in in uh, san diego this was okay. um in 21 i think and my wife came with me <clears throat> excuse me and while i was at a meeting I, I was walking out to go to a meeting and i saw somebody ride by on a bike and i said man i i wish i could do that again you know and my wife amazing woman she took the bull by the horns and she contacted um the uh the, you know, is that the challenged athletes yes challenged athletes foundation, foundation. which happens to be headquartered in san diego yeah, yeah. <laughs> this she is to, man yeah she talked to a guy named nico up there his good italian last name a former marine he's oh yeah yeah why don't you come on up here blah 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 you know we'll show you around he was very very gung-ho awesome and right around my birthday my birthday's in october i have my birthday coming up here in a couple of weeks and uh she goes i'll have a surprise for you we're not going to the zoo today we're gonna... i said oh, okay oh really so <laughs> we went off to this place and uh they had this banner you know they're they're uh lower you know they're uh, neon banner it says Welcome, Paul and Teresa. Happy birthday, Paul. We're glad you're here. You know, he showed us all around and uh, he gave me a t-shirt, gave me a couple of t-shirts, you know, just very 
very uh, forthcoming, very willing to help. And he says, there's another person I want you to meet. He lives around the corner. And uh, he's a prosthetist named uh, Peter Peter Harsh, I think. I'm blanking on the last name. But anyway, he's a prosthetist, somebody that makes these prostheses, you know, for you. And he's kind of like the prosthetist to the stars. He makes oh. he makes them for, you know, para, Paralympic athletes for the Olympics. Sure. He's made them for a lot of veterans, you know, Afghanistan, Iraqi veterans who lost their legs or arms. And I met him. What an incredible specialty that is. Yeah. Really. And uh, so I hooked up with him. And he said, yeah, you know, I have, uh, I, I'm able, I'm lucky enough, I get, I, I'm able to get my prosthetic care through the VA. He goes, I have contracts with the 30 different VAs across the country, blah, blah, blah. There's a VA in Dayton, Ohio, you can go there and this and that. And so, and while we're talking and kind of getting this thing set up, this guy, Nico says, oh, by the way, I entered you to do uh, the the swim portion of the uh um oceanside uh half iron man in oh, april wow i said in april <laughs> i said so, you know he egged you on he got you going right I saw, well that's the thing he got me going my wife got me going they did all these things my wife for my birthday hired a a coach um out of Colorado and he started sending me these uh, you know workout things I was able to get a, a cycling leg okay uh, yeah and, uh, tell me what's the difference how does this work uh, well the leg that I wear every day is you know the thing that fits over the limb itself is right. is is made specially for that limb because every limb is different and you know they even change you know and that's called the socket I see. Okay. There's different kinds of sockets. There's different ways to secure that socket to your limb. I see. That's one thing. And then, like you've seen these runners that have these running blades. Yeah, the blade runners. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and then a cycling one is it's kind of it's not a blade, but it's it's much lighter and has a a free uh, the, the, you know rotation point at the knee. The one I have now is. It's good for walking. If I lose my balance, it'll stiffen up. It kind of knows like when I'm going down a hill or up a hill. It's, oh, it's wow. a very, you know, has a little microprocessor in there. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So anyway, he, he set me up for a cycling leg and a, and a running blade. But at least for this part, it was just the swim portion. Right. And we did that in April at Oceanside, California, which is, you know, close to Camp Pendleton. And um, I did the swim portion. So I was the first one out there and it's about 530 in the morning and it was right on the beach there. And I remember thinking, uh, I think I may have bit off a little more than I can chew this time because, you know, I don't swim. I take the prosthesis off when I swim. I just swim with one leg. So originally I made the joke. I said, yeah, I swim, but I swim in circles all the time. Of course. <laughs> so, you know, you're going out in the open water and it, was, it wasn't so rough that they were thinking of, you know, moving it, but it was getting close. Five foot waves. The water was fairly cold. And I remember I walked up to the water's edge 
and then I took the prosthesis off. And so at the start, I, I hopped into the water and then I kind of have to hop out until the water is deep enough that I can start swimming. And that was tough. <laughs> that was tough. And that's a, well, the half Ironman is what? Uh, Iron is a 1.2 swim, 56 bike. Right. So 1.2 miles swim. Yep. So I got through that. And I have to tell you, that was probably one of the most emotional events I ever did. Wow. Just because, you know, it was the first competitive event I ever did since my amputation. I finished. Yeah. I mean, you know, I you did your part, part. Yeah. And I uh, was able to, uh, you know, hand off the, the timing chip to the to the, the gal that did the bike. And then there was another another fella who did the run. And um it was it was a great experience, and it was yeah. a hurdle, right? It was it was both oh. psychologically in that, and then you, oh, yeah. you then you come to the as we kind of started the interview off with the escape from uh, Alcatraz. That was uh, in twenty twenty two, right? Uh, that was your first full, you know, three three the three parts to the try that you right. did. What was that experience like, and what's it been like since then for you, Paul? Well. <clears throat> Uh, the escape was, uh, I mean, I had done it before, which is, you kind of know what to expect. And, and, but this time, you know, uh, I took my, my two daughters and my, my, he's now my son-in-law of my younger daughter came with me. That's my cool. wife couldn't go because her daughter was getting ready to have a baby and yeah. actually her actually had that baby the day of the, the oh, trap. Okay. So, so she couldn't come, but, um, my oldest daughter was sort of my helper. Okay. And we met with the a one of the race directors, and they were very accommodating, you know, about uh, letting them in to help me. Uh, like we get out of the water, let them come in and help me, you know, put the leg back on and and that kind of thing. Let me be in the transition area to help me do some of those things. Gotcha. Okay. And um so she got up early and I don't know if you're familiar, you get on this great big kind of yeah. like a dinner cruise type boat, you know, and then they sail you out to, to Alcatraz. Island. You don't really get on there. You're right next to it. Yeah. yeah. But you jump off that boat. I've done races and, where you kind of get off, you're on like a, a amphibious landing craft that you all kind of, you know, depart from, hop in the water from. So I'm yeah, sorry, so you, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Go no, that, not at all. So you just kind of, yeah, when they when the when the bell goes off, you just jump in. Yeah, and so so I was one of the first ones in. There were a handful of uh, you know other um, challenged athletes, okay. and the one I remember most was a guy who was blind, and he had a um, I guess a guy who swam and. He swam and they, they were disconnected with like a bungee cord. Gotcha. That was it. <laughs> and I mean, that's scary enough swimming in that, you know, that, that, uh, that bay. But here's his poor guy. He, he can't see. But anyway, I got that done. I hopped out of the water. My daughter was there. She helped me. We went over to a rock and then, you know, the transition to go from the, the swim to the bike is about a half a mile. So I had to put my walking leg on and I was able to make it down, get on my bike. 
put on my bike, biking leg, and then hop on the bike. And 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 I'll tell you, it was the t- worst weather. Okay. It, I mean, same that uh, the three I did before, perfect, beautiful, Northern California weather. This one was rainy, windy, miserable. But anyway, uh, I did the bike and uh, finished the bike and got off and I put the running blade on and I ran up and down a little bit, but I wasn't able to finish the run. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it was just, it was just too much. I mean, it's hard to do it anyway. And if you've seen it in, on yeah. TV and make it look so easy, it's not easy at all because uh, there's two ways to do it. You can either have the leg as like a pylon, just a straight, okay. like a straight pole and you swing your leg out. That's like what this. I'll say. I see that. Paper swing motion. it out. The other way is, is at the articulated part at the knee is you have to be able to swing it up straight and then land it straight before you bend it. Because if it's bent before, it'll just go down. Oh my gosh. There's no, there's no uh, stopping. You know what I mean? The physics is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely, you know, so I wasn't able to do that part, but uh, I think maybe, maybe I might try it again. You know, if you ever, here's a little secret. If you're ever in the escape from Alcatraz, you definitely get preference the next time. Oh, okay, okay. You know, like if you get in and you do it and complete it, you'll get in again. It's not... I shouldn't say that, but it's not random, you know. Yeah. I don't think it is. I mean, I've gotten every other time, no problem, you know. Yeah. That I've heard. So, Dear, you're going to do it again. You, this is this is in your future. What are you training uh, for right now? Is there something on the immediate horizon for you, Paul? Oh, uh, currently I'm kind of in a, a downtime because I just had I had surgery on my shoulder recently, okay. so I'm kind of getting that back back up to strength, and then um, then I'm going to try to get in shape again. I mean. You know, I'll be I'll be 64 on the 16th, and uh, you know I I I try to I you know I, I probably like you. It sounds like uh, always been being fit and being competitive, or at least competitive to yourself. To yourself, yeah, has been part of who I am. Yeah, and that was very difficult with the amputations. I couldn't do that, and my my wife saw that, and it. You know, I don't, I really owe her a lot for that because I was kind of just, you know, you get to that point where you just say, okay, well, maybe I'll ride the Peloton or something. Nothing's the same. It's it's not the same when you're able to go out and and compete. But she's so connected to you, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's part of you. You know, it's, it's, uh, and I think that's, I don't know. I think that's something that everybody should experience just to challenge yourself and you change as you know, you change as you get older, you know, yeah, I'm never yeah. going to, never going to run a 400 meter, you know, in, in less than 55 seconds ever in my life, you know, <laughs> again, right. but that doesn't mean, you know, I can't do it here. And, you know, uh, my 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 eldest daughter was a pretty good runner in high school and uh you know i'd go and root for her across country and, and track and that kind of thing and you know you kind of remember your days when 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 you were doing that and i think well i can't do that now i couldn't do that <laughs> but you can still 
push yourself and challenge yourself. And, you know, a, a goal, I've always thought a goal is something that's attainable, but challenging. You know, if it's unattainable, well, you know, then then I don't know that that's, you're, you're never going to reach it. And that's frustrating. Yeah. But, you know, if you think about what you've accomplished and what you can accomplish, you know, within what your ability is. And, you know, I have to tell you, when I was in this uh, Peter Harsh's office, you know, you kind of measure your leg, he goes in the back room and does the voodoo. Too. <laughs> and you're kind of just sitting out there kind of talking to different people that are out there also. Yeah. And, you know, I remember sitting there looking over here and, and, and here is a guy who had below the knee amputation. Okay. Much more mobile. Okay. And you catch yourself thinking, man, it would be so much better if I'd had a below the knee, you know. But yeah. then you look over here and there's a guy who had his whole hip disarticulated. He didn't have any leg. Yeah, at all. Nothing. And then you think, oh, boy, it can always be worse, you know. Yeah. That's, and uh, or you have people. There was a guy in there. I remember him making a joke. He was a he was an Afghanistan veteran, okay. and he lost both his legs below the knee. And the joke was, you know, someone said something to him about changing the socks in his shoes or tying his shoe. He goes, "I never have to tie my shoes, you know, because they're always on. <laughs> they're always on his prosthesis." But this guy was a big skier. You know, he he went out west and he ski Vale, ski you know all these big places in, yep. in colorado and utah and uh, so you you kind of have to make the best of what what you have yeah instead of saying oh man it would seem so much better and uh, if i'd have been this or it would have been if my limb was a little bit longer or you know yeah well you have come through it uh you know and so glad that i had a chance to have had a chance to meet you and to chat with you. And I super respect all that you uh, have been able to accomplish, uh, not just as a professional uh, in the medical field, but um, the way you've come through this like a champ. And, and again, I stress, I can't stress enough the, the blessing it is to have a, an amazing partner in life and in, in your wife. And I have the same um, circumstances with my bride of, of 47 years now. So Really blessed in that regard. And, and Paul, I, and I'm glad that you were open uh, to talk about this. And I, I hope my listeners get a chance to understand that, uh, you know, life does throw a bunch of curveballs at you, different ones, different times, different ways. And it's how you bounce back from it. So, uh, well, I, I tip my cap to you a lot, Paul. Good. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. All right, sir. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, um, you're you're going to point towards another escape from Alcatraz and uh, get her done, as they say. And mm -hmm. I look forward up to uh, following your exploits as you you move towards that. But thank you so very much, Paul, to, uh, being on the Zoom with me and uh, being on the on Tellish Talks podcast. Thank you, buddy. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And you tell Mark that I said hello next time you talk to him. I sure will. Mark Schrader, my old colleague at Fox 8 at Channel 8, one of the greatest auctioneers in the world to this day. Yeah. He's absolutely spectacular at it. So um, I look forward to that. Again, Paul, thanks very much. And to our listeners, uh, um, we'll be having uh, more and more episodes with folks that uh, can inspire you. And I think Paul is right up there at the top of the list. So um, have a great day, my friend, and thanks for chatting with me.
Thanks so much. By the way, after the escape from Alcatraz competition, Paul attended a reunion at his college, John Carroll University here in Northeast Ohio. It was his 40th college reunion. And he was surprised at the time with the Campion Shield Award, which recognizes heroism, bravery, or sacrifice on the part of a member of the John Carroll community. And congratulations to Paul on that amazing award. Just an inspiring guy, and I hope you enjoyed the interview with Paul. Also getting a lot of feedback on my most recent interview with Dean Hall, if you can check that out. It is the most recent one, just one week ago. Dean had an ordeal where he was dying of lymphoma and of also leukemia. And he decided on a almost a Hail Mary, as it were, he decided to try to swim the length of the Willamette River up there in Oregon. A 187-mile ordeal in frigid 42, 43-degree weather, uh, water, I should say. And he was able to complete that, becoming the first person uh, in history, recorded history, to have made it all the way 187 miles on the Willamette River. And in the process over the past 9, 10 years since he attempted that amazing feat, his cancer is gone. He is cancer-free, and he continues to inspire people all over. So hope you uh, get a chance to check that out as well. Thanks again to Paul. I enjoyed our conversation. Best of luck to you as you and your family move forward. And we look forward to checking back in with you guys next week with another edition of Tellage Talks. Have a great day, everybody.